What's up and welcome to the Something's Brewing Podcast. This is episode two. I'm your host, Mike Sullivan, back alongside with Nick Melanson and Zach Sullivan. You can find us all on Twitter. My Twitter is at underscore Mike Sullivan. Nick's Twitter is at Nick Melanson underscore. And Zach's Twitter is Zach underscore Sullivan 22. We are in partnership with Black and Gold Productions, LLC. You can follow them at BNG Productions on the tweet machine as well. And uh, let's just say we had an interesting weekend this past week. Me and Zach had our family golf tournament. Um, Winner was 10 under. My group finished at 7 under. Zach, what did your group finish at? 8 under. Yeah, you should have taken that bet, shouldn't you? Well, listen, my fourth guy canceling at 12.30 a.m. the day of the tournament kind of fucking rattled my cages a little bit. So <laughs> just, to give some, just to give some background, me and Zach had a $50 bet on whose team would finish higher. And Zach, Zach texted me in the morning and he said, bets off. And hey. <laughs> I, texted you, I texted you when I was... <laughs> only had three guys i was like i only have three guys i'm not doing this bet that's yeah but terrible. you you were so confident i thought you were gonna ride in there 50 bucks in your pocket just well waiting. i mean i knew i was still gonna beat you <laughs> well i mean you did but it's yeah, just it's, it's just too bad that you didn't take the bet it's good for me but bad for you well i mean you're a young kid i don't want to keep taking your fucking money i mean <laughs> someday you'll beat me it's been a very very long time since you beat me at anything but maybe you'll beat me soon um, I'm going to defer to Mel. Mel, how was your weekend? What did you do this weekend? <laughs> My weekend was good. I went to uh, Cape Cod with the, the college roommates. All came back pretty sunburned. Good time. Went to uh, Provincetown. Had ourselves a time down there. Went to the beach. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> I was laughing at you. Look like you are going to say something. <laughs> no, what beach you go to? It's, it's 2022, buddy. You can go to P-Town without talking <laughs> um well we tried to go to mayflower but it was full so we uh like biggest band of my existence ever it's impossible oh my god yeah you really have to get there yeah i was gonna say it's a 15 minute drive from my grandparents place usually and one day i put it in the gps and said hour 30 and i was like (laughs) i have it i have it on walking whatever i'll just drive there it'll adjust as i'm going yeah. I, was I was like, what am I fucking doing here? <laughs> you literally have to get there at eight in the morning if you want to be able to get a spot on that beach. Dude, eight o'clock might even be late. Like I if yeah, I wanted I was... to be safe, like I'd get there at like six thirty. And I'm it's not getting up that early to go to the beach. Yeah, I'll go to Seagull Beach. There's plenty of other. I'll go to a lake. There's plenty of other yeah. beaches in the Cape to go to. I'll go home <laughs> just, before I go there. I'll just pull out a beach chair, put it in my front lawn, and have a little kiddie pool full. Yeah, there you go. Turn the sprinkler around and run through it. Yeah, just give me a six pack. I'm good. Yeah, but all right. So let's um, what do we want to talk about first here? Um. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Let's talk about Jeremy Swayman. So do you guys assume that he's going to be the starter for the majority of the games this year? Because last season, him and Allmark split the season evenly at 41 games each. Um, I would argue Swayman was the better goalie, especially towards the end of the year. Um, I don't feel like that's an argument. Yeah, I I just feel like – I feel like the majority of people feel that way. But what do you guys think? Um, what are you expecting from him? What are you What are you looking for um, for his season coming up? And um, how do you expect him to play? 
I mean, I expect him to start running away with this as his team. I feel like you hear it a lot from the veterans and a lot from the media guys that cover the team when they start talking about like his his demeanor is just very it's so calm. Strange. They say it's like strange that it like fits what you need out of a goalie. Like his cage never gets rattled. He doesn't really care that if he just got absolutely torched one game because then he'll come back, find the next, and that um, he – I don't want to say like a weirdo. I forget the word that they use, but definitely kind of like a guy that like stands out a little bit for you know his quirky ways, and they just find that a lot of confidence in that with him. So, I mean, yeah, these guys – that are around the team all the time, and I keep playing with him. Think that he's gonna, he's gonna do something special. I, I, I'll buy into that. I mean, I think the word you're looking for is like unique. Like he definitely has um, some like character to him, but it's <laughs> character that I think people can build around. Like, I mean, what? Who do you think started that that little hug tradition? Do you think it was Allmark, or do you think that was Swayman who who introduced that? That's gotta be Swayman. That's that's straight Swayman, from yeah. yeah, straight from Swayman's brain. I mean, I definitely think he's gonna be starting more games this year than Olmark, especially too, because I think about Montgomery. It seems like he's more of a coach who's more fostering to the youth. So I feel like if that's the case, and you have you know your goalie who you view as your keeper of the future, you know why would you not want to start ushering in more games for him to try and see what he can do? And then you know I think back too of of the signing of Olmark. You know, do you think that that they sign him expecting him to play, what is it, five years? All five years here? Because I remember when they signed him, they had Swayman thinking he's a goal of the future. People were still talking about Rask coming back at the point. I remember when that signing went down, it was kind of a nice signing, but what was the point of it? I mean, to, uh, like, I mean... I mean, this might just be a running theme of this podcast. I know. Taking on the front <laughs> office. I don't think the front office had a uh, big plan there. <laughs> they're like, here's some money, take it. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to say the theme of the podcast was picking on Linus Allmark. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, seem to right, do that I mean, decently, too. We're, we're an anti goalie podcast here. <laughs> yeah, apparently, dude. I like I like Allmark a lot, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. I think Swayman has a higher upside. He's younger. And to Zach's point, you said he's a little weird. I think that's good. Goalies are weird. If every, I mean, you have to be a little crazy to stand in, in between the pipes and, and take some rubber discs off your face. <laughs> so I think the fact that he's a little weird, I think, is great. I know, look around the league, and some of the best goalies in the league have a little something wrong, a little screw loose in their heads. So, Dude, uh, what was his name? Who used to play for Arizona and Philly? Um, oh, Brzgalov? Brzgalov, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they all have like, a little. Why you have to be mad? Even, even <laughs> too. I mean, I think Tuca was among one of the normalest goalies I've ever seen. I know he had his moments. I remember that that video when he was in Providence when he freaked out and broke his stick over the crossbar and threw it in the stands. Every I love goalies like that. Every was team that, gets a goalie who can lose it every now and then. Was that the same time that he uh, went down the tunnel and then yeah, yeah, the and, milk and crate the out sticks. on the ice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> the, the same one too. Yeah, the yeah. Do you think Swayman ever turns into – and, I mean, let me ask the question and kind of correct myself right after. But do you think he ever turns into, like, one of these, like, uh, Carey Price, um, Lundqvist, Brodeur, not, like, all-time greats, but one of these guys that you can just stick in the net for maybe 70% of the games that season and just count on him? I wouldn't say his ceiling is that high, but no, I the would... ceiling's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying yeah. the um, the dependability on him. Um, I would say he would be. Dang, I'm trying to think of somebody to 
who I think would be a good comparison. He's definitely not going to – I don't think he's going to go down as an all-time great. All- you don't need to as a goalie, though. Like, Jordan Bennington has a fucking cup. Right. No, exactly. He had <laughs> that one hot, hot at the right time. But I just want you to be someone I can depend on for maybe 55 to 60 of my games a year. He, definitely not Carey Price. Definitely not Brodeur. Um, well, I mean, the three guys in his name might be the three best goalers in the last, like, 30 years. So, obviously, yeah. he's not going to be one of those guys. Right. I, but I think he's going He's going to be better than average. He's going to be dependable. Do you think he'd be like and a Pekka Rene? That's, like that's, that's a good, yes. Actually, he's like a really, really good goalie. But, like, as far as his career goes, he's not this all-time great. Actually, I, I, that's perfect. That's basically what I think. That's who knows? Hey, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's a window too. Go yeah, it is a window. Go out there and win in four years somewhere. And in his there. age too. The fact that he's so young, I fi- I feel like it fits right in with the young players on this roster, and hopefully what they're trying to do here. I know we've been talking about how this core there's no is, direction. I know, but this <laughs> core this core is so damn old, and if they can finally start bringing in some youth and and hitting on some. I know it's easier said than done, but hitting on some draft picks and kind of ushering in the new age of the Bruins, I feel like they have their goalie for it. They're going to have to make some creative moves. I think that's what we're seeing with this Zaka signing. Like, Yeah. I, I like it. That, I do too. I think Take a some, flyer on the guy. See what he can do. Yeah. He obviously he has a he has potential. You don't go sixth overall for nothing. Like, mm. He's a he, 2015 he, first-round pick on the Bruins. My expectations are dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, now they have four in the top twenty. What are what are one of them has to hit? What kind of player is he? I don't. I don't know too much about the guy. He's big. He's he's big. He's strong. He's. I would honestly kind of. I would kind of describe him as a power forward, but he also has skill too. So, he just has to kind of find his game and be consistent. Like there was, there was one season. I think it was. Um, I think it was two years ago. It might have been the COVID season where he was putting up really, really steady, consistent numbers. And then I believe COVID hit and then the season ended and he kind of got screwed. But like, let's see, it was uh, okay. It was, yeah, 2020, 2021 season. He had 35 points in 50 games. So that's about like a 60 to 65 point pace. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, and by the way, that's with the New Jersey team. That's I was going to say, there's I'm literally looking, nobody there. Looking at his numbers. I'm like, well, the guy clearly doesn't do much in the defensive zone. Cause he's a, he hasn't had a positive plus minus since his rookie <laughs> yeah. year. And then I looked a little bit to the left and saw he's been on the devils. So there's so many guys. I look at their plus minus. And then I see like the teams that they were stuck on for like seven right. years. And I'm like, well, this just, this doesn't mean shit. Like, yeah. think about it. Like, who that? Who was New Jersey's goalie? Like, during those years, like, I was even on New Jersey. Uh, like, that was um Corey Schneider. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was it Corey Schneider? <laughs> Zachary I think it was. and Corey yeah. Schneider were the only two names I can even fucking think <laughs> of from that team. Like, yeah, hey, you guys are doing great. Like, come to a team with with like some some guys. Come to a team with Hall. Come to a team with McAvoy. Come to a team with Lindholm. Come to a team with Brad Marchand. Like actually see what you can do with some real talent around you. Like, yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, Pavel Zaka's career plus minus is a minus sixty six. So I'm gonna go out here in New Jersey. Oh, in New Jersey, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna go out here on a limb and say he delivers absolutely nothing important to this team. <laughs> <laughs> like I just like crazy. 
Yeah, I'm telling you, I don't think he's gonna do anything special. He like I'm I not have, saying he he might have a moment. Everyone can have a moment, but I think as a whole of it, you're never gonna look at and be like, that, he was important. He nope. wasn't important. I totally disagree with you. I totally. I think he's gonna come out here and have. I'm gonna set his minimum at 55 points. I. Wow, I, I'm gonna, that would be I'm gonna a guarantee you, for him. I'm, it would be. I'm gonna guarantee a 55 point season for Pavel Zaka if he's if he's healthy. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Put him. No. <laughs> do we know? Do we know? Do we know who his center will be yet? No. Yeah. <laughs> Is he not a center? He's a center and a winger. He can. He's he's like Brock Holt. What? Hey, Brock yeah. Holt hit for the trip. Uh, the cycle, though, in the playoffs. Only player to do yeah, that. Everyone has their moment. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brock Holt. One-time Hunter all-star. Ring. That's right. All right. So yeah, Remember that year? I tried to get into a different sport like I always do, but Brock Holt was the only guy from the Red Sox to make yeah. an all-star. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That might have been the worst season of Red Sox and baseball. Then, literally the life. next year, they had like seven of them. Actually, sorry, not to stay with baseball, but um, what's his name? Uh, Darwin's own Hernandez, that guy that the was that who it was? Martin Perez. He was an All Star this year for the yeah, Texas like Rangers. Oh, dude, he's got a sub three ERA. Yeah, he's like, like nine and two from? on the Texas Rangers. Sorry, yeah, let's wow. get back to hockey. It's great. It is crazy, <laughs> but. No, I hey, for Swayman. Senior for Byron Perez, maybe that's what Zaka needs. <laughs> that's what Zaka needs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. I think for Swayman this year, I think I'm expecting he'll play maybe around because they're still definitely going to play Omar a lot. What do you think his goals against is? Goals against for the whole season? Yeah, what do you think he gets in on that? Two, six, five. I like that number. Yeah, it's like decent. I'd be happy with that. I think I actually think he'd go a little lower. I think he'd go to like two, four. That'd be great. And I think uh, last year. It That's was a, really, really low for a while until he got to like February, I think. I think he had it around a two four going into February. Maybe even a little lower than that. And then he did kind of have a little struggle there for like a month. His um his his save percentage for the season last year was nine fourteen. His goals against average was two forty one. So maybe I, I take I, back my two sixty five pick. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, think, no, that's what I thought. I thought he was, and I think he was lower than 241 in February. I think he was – I just remember, you know, there's the ticker on Nesson all the time. Uh, the ticker had him at, like, I want to say top five goal in the league and goals against. At one point he was. Yeah, at one point he was. Yeah. It'll be interesting because not just is he getting more games, but he's also going to have half a defensive core for the first two weeks and right, arguably right. the greatest – defensive forward of all time might not be on this team anymore so it's going to be a lot harder in net to maintain that lower goals against average and higher save percentage but i would like to see him get around a two three that's what i'm pulling for him this year for goals against average we'll see if well, he can get it done especially too if he's going to be playing more games he's going to be seeing more shots so like it mm-hmm. could rise a little bit just because he's seeing more time but um i don't know i i think he's gonna yeah hover around uh, all right maybe i take that two six five back i'm thinking maybe I'm going to be average. I'm going to say 2.5 with a save percentage of 918. That's what I'm going to say. And I bet you he plays at least 55 games. Those are solid numbers. Yeah, very. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's 23 years old. He His career, he literally has a career 2.23 goals against and a 
career 920 save percentage. This was supposed to be Malcolm Subban's team. <laughs> you were obsessed with Malcolm I was – I my – my school issued Chromebook wallpaper was Malcolm Subban with the beanie on at the Winter Classic at Fenway for like all four years of high school. No, that's I not crazy. He wasn't gonna make it. <laughs> yeah. it. I, I was all it. aboard. I was all aboard. Like the man, the Bru- the Bruins have Malcolm Subban. So now PK is gonna want to come play here. I was. Oh, I was. I was like, no those a tires. Subban fan. They gotta fucking take over the league. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he's not gonna be good. <laughs> they fell off. It is crazy because now he stinks too. Talk about another guy in New Jersey who just stinks. Yeah, wasn't there? Well, isn't there a know, third? Well, I think he yeah, Jordan changes scenery, but he also did get a few changes of scenery, and nothing's changed for him. He was great that first year in Nashville. No, he, he also if he, if he stayed in Montreal, dude. Oh my god! I, I well, when swear. they did that trade, I was like, "Oh man, Montreal is doing something stupid here." And then me too. Turns out it actually kind of worked out for him. Yeah, it, it did. But like, I feel like if PK stuck around in Montreal, he would have just kind of—I don't know, man. He went he, with a way more talented team in Nashville and fell off. And that's crazy because it's not like he was old. He was still young. He, what he was in around thirty, early thirties when he went to Nashville. No, I, I think he was younger. Yeah, it, it's Shea Weber, on the other hand, I thought it was stupid because Shea Weber had a huge point four goal against last year. On top of that, he was top five in the league for at least the first like sixty percent of the season. And a young kid like that, it's not surprising to see him fall off. So if he actually can keep it going, right? If you can, you know, have some more sustainability in the in one season and, and finish out. As a top five goalie, that's that's great. And then um, his his third best move, in my opinion, and this is kind of just a lump something, but you've seen it with a bunch of veterans, right? Hall, Pasta, Krejci, while he was still here, Bergeron, uh, Martian. He he gets these veterans to take pretty friendly deals that that the end of the day do give you more spending not that he always does right with the extra spending he has but he gets these really really uh team friendly deals that are probably maybe a million to three million dollars under market value so that's huge in st louis he gave up like seven goals by the second (laughs) period or something like that and i was like you're supposed to be the chosen one man (laughs) he he also sang the i mean this was probably the highlight of the sabers season last year but he sang the national anthem (laughs) <laughs> so I saw that it was really yeah. good too. Yeah. So Malcolm, yeah, that's because Buffalo just couldn't afford to pay someone to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Get out there, bud. Go give it a crack. Hey, you're still on contract. You're still under contract, but you're not playing. So uh, here's the mic. I remember hey, earning some of that paycheck. Go belt some <laughs> fucking high notes out there. <laughs> I I remember last week we were talking about uh, Arizona playing in the the college stadium there, what ASU or Arizona State, one of those. Did you see that they just released the 3D rendering of what the stadium's gonna look like? It almost made me throw up, dude. They, they have, did like, have a new stadium coming out. No, so or... they 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 kind of put out like a 3D rendering of what the inside of the stadium is gonna look like, and it's literally just the hockey team stadium, the college team, but just with the Coyotes logo slapped all over the place. But I'm going to tell you the, the rendering with the logo on the ice. Like, it's just not, like, it's not happening. Like, That's what I was going to ask. Cause I noticed they yeah. did put the logo on the ice. I wonder if it'll be there to, you know, opening night. No, like yeah, it's literally in the contract. Give LA with, another team. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. 
I don't know. Just get rid of the Coyotes. But, <laughs> no, but like, we'll just go to 31 the, teams. It's literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, it's a recession. We might as well cut back on some teams. Have <laughs> a 33rd AHL team. <laughs> the anti expansion draft, just everybody gets that you're player not, back. We got relegated. We're bringing up, we're bringing up the Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> The railers. Um, the railers are making their NHL debut. <laughs> the railers. Their stadium's nicer. <laughs> yeah, they could play it. They could play at the sports DC. center. It would be better. Oh yeah, rink one. Yeah, they can play. I mean, the Providence Bruins did. Just put the Coyotes yeah. there. <laughs> Maybe they, they. Honestly, they still wouldn't be able to put their logo on the ice. No, no, they wouldn't. They're Do you weird. think the NHL would even notice if the Arizona Coyotes had like a? We are a Marshall type moment, and the plane just went down. And they're just like, <laughs> we lost an entire team. Like, we don't even, we, I didn't even know that we're on the schedule next week. <laughs> Wouldn't affect the bottom dollar at all. Batman would be sitting there like, oh my God, our profits are going up now. <laughs> we were subsidizing them. <laughs> That's going to get it out so fast. <laughs> You cannot edit that out. That was cool. have to. That'll go no, in the outtakes. What do you mean you have to? <laughs> all right. Well, no. Kind of, but, oh my I'm, god, that's not at all where I thought you were gonna go with that. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, uh, I don't really know how to follow that, but I'm gonna try. So well, if we're talking about crashing and burning. What do you think are Sweeney's worst moves? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, let's talk about that. So we're we're each gonna we're each gonna great transition, each, bud. Yeah, I'm phenomenal transition. I just don't know how it's gonna fly. But um <laughs> so we're each going to pick because there's been a lot of Sweeney slander, rightfully so, but mainly from Zach. But we're going to well, I'm a man, I'll give the man his due when he needs it. Yeah, so we're gonna pick his best uh, his top three moves as GM and his worst three moves as GM. And I think I want to start it off with Zach. I want Zach to go first with his three, and then we'll go over to Mel, and then we'll end it with me. So, Zach, you whatever. Want, you want to hit three best and then go in the order, then go three worst? Yeah, let's go best to worst. All right, so I'll just uh, – so I think in no particular order, just grouping in his three best moves um, – one I think was getting rid of that bum Ryan Donato for Charlie Coyle, and the Coyle actually made a difference during that playoff run. So that was that was definitely impact move, and basically getting rid of someone that I guess some outside of Boston people thought had some potential and some talent, but after you watched him for you know a short little time here, you were like, this guy just can't play. Uh, so that that was that was good, you know, selling selling high because a lot of. Times I would see swimming. Uh, I would see Sweeney holding on to a guy like that, hoping he turns into something. No, getting flipping Ryan Donato for Charlie Coyle's unbelievable. I can't believe he did that. Well, especially uh, after that run. Sorry, after that run that uh, Donato had at the Olympics, it was like, oh my gosh, the Bruins got true. somebody in him. Yeah, and, no, that's and, 100% and then you true. flipped him for an expiring Coyle contract and a guy that made a pretty you know, solid impact on a run to, that was the run to the cup, right? It, yeah, yeah a, it was the run yeah, to the cup. Yeah, he made a pretty solid impact while you go all the way deep into a cup run. So, obviously, you win that trade. Uh, I think one of his other uh, best moves since he's been here is drafted Swayman. 
you know, I'm very high on Swayman. I think you got something there. And holy and, shit, a successful Swayman or a successful Sweeney draft pick. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you drafted someone and it worked yeah. out. That's crazy. So yeah, and, and that's a guy that, like you would say, is 23. He's gonna be around for a while as long as you you know manage his contract well and you manage this team's spending well. Uh, not going anywhere. Uh, good player. We just said he had 2.4 goal against last year. On top of that, he was top five in the league for at least the first like 60% of the season. And a young kid like that, it's not surprising to see him fall off. So if he's actually can keep it going, right. If you can, you know, have some more sustainability in this, in one season and, and finish out as a top five goal, that's, that's great. And then um, his, his third best move, in my opinion, and this is kind of just a lump something, but you've seen it with a bunch of veterans, right? Hall, Pasta, Krejci, while he was still here, Bergeron, uh, Martian. He, he gets these veterans to take pretty friendly deals that, at the end of the day, do give you more spending. Not that he always does right with the extra spending he has, but he gets these really, really uh, team-friendly deals that are probably maybe – a million to three million dollars under market value, so that's huge. Um, not a good with worst moves. We all agree that the 2015 draft might be the worst thing that's ever happened in this team's front office history. No, like probably the franchise history is the worst draft of all time, <laughs> yeah, no, not the worst just, possible moment. It's just an absolute, you know, tragedy <laughs> what happened there. His second, well, not Sam again. So that's the worst one. The next two, I'll just kind of lump in. The contract he gave to Coyle after signing for him. I just, I get at the time, you, it did seem like the right move because he had this really hot playoff run and everything like that. But you're a professional GM of a major market hockey team but you should probably have a better eye for talent than most people and see that maybe giving this guy that kind of money wasn't worth it and understand that you just caught lightning in the bottle uh wait so what do you think a fair contract for coil would have been i think what would you have been okay with if coil was getting like three and a half to four mil rather than five and a half or six whatever it is i feel like that's a that's a good number but at the same time I think he got a fair market contract. I think after the run that he had, a coil hit the free agency, he was going to get paid like that. It's just, I don't think that that was worth it. Like I free agents after they have a strong playoff run, especially usually get overpaid. So I just think that that was a bad evaluation. You got a guy who was always underperformed in Minnesota. He caught fire here for three or four months. And then he had to pay for that. And I, no matter what, even if you uh, just put it this, no matter what you're overpaying for a guy like that, it's just, it happens in all sports. If a guy has a good playoff run, they'll get overpaid if that's their free agency year. Uh, so yeah. 100%. So it, it, that, that was kind of something that hit us there. And yeah, wait, uh, so you said like coil was like five and a half to six mil. You were pretty close. He's, he's, uh, he's got four. He's got four years left on his deal at 5.25 and that is definitely an overpayment for like you're literally your third line center so yeah that's what i'm saying three and a half four mil would be fair for that right but you're overpaying it at what you're getting them for 
for what you're getting out of him. Three and a half would still be less than Nick Foligno. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> you know what? Uh, whatever the fuck he's doing with Bergeron and Krejci right now, that could turn out to be the worst thing. That could turn out really badly. Because you're, you're talking about us turning from a playoff team to we're, we're not making the playoffs. Well, no, I actually just remembered what I think the worst thing was. <laughs> All right, go with four. <laughs> Trading Vladar and signing the Olmark thing because you could be in for maybe $2 million in total to have two two goalies. And if you do that, Swayman obviously is your one and Vladar is your two. So it's not 1A, 1B, but teams survive with one and two. You don't need 1A, 1B. I know we are kind of talking about it last week that a lot of teams do 1A, 1B, but other teams completely survive off of one and two. And you could do that and only spend $2 million. So now you can spend money elsewhere. And it might even hide the fact that you have a one and a two at goalie. Yeah, I feel like the point of having a really good young goalie is that he costs pennies and you can use the money you would usually use for a really good goalie somewhere else, to your point. And I liked how you you brought up how Sweeney's really good at, at, at signing his own players to team-friendly contracts. It's just funny to, th- to think of all the bad contracts he's handed out to players that he didn't <laughs> sign. But that goes in one of my, I guess, good moves, the few good moves in my opinion that Sweeney has made is the re-signing of Pasta. I mean, he gave him, I believe it was, what, six years for $6.5 million a season, which is probably half of what he probably could be making on the open market for a guy who just won the Rocket a couple years ago, well, tied with Ovi, for a guy who can consistently go out and get you 40-plus goals, who signed that contract when he was like 23, 22 years old, probably younger than that. It's incredible to think about how much money a guy like that could get in the open market and, and how much money that... That's saving the Bruins. The fact that a guy of that talent is making only six and a half a year, I think, is insane. My second. You, sorry. I just want to piggyback off of that. Do you think that he can do that again? Or do you think. Yeah, guys, 100%. Do you think he can get Boss to take a team friendly deal now? I think, you, I think he takes. <sighs> oh, God. Now we're getting into what a potential Posternock contract could look like. I'm going to say Posternock signs eight years. I'll give him no more than nine million a year. I would go nine and a half. I'm going to go eight years, nine and a half. He doesn't no, play enough defense no for me to give him half. that much money. He doesn't play enough defense for me to feel giving him nine and a half is warranted. I would still pay him. He, he's he's literally a superstar in the making. But I wouldn't say he's a superstar yet. He's definitely a star. But, dude, there, no, I still think so if you give good. a guy $9 million at a place he's already comfortable with, that's pretty fair. I think if you somehow get yourself locking them up at – Nine and a half over eight years. Nine and a half. Cap's gonna go up, especially if fucking Coyotes on it. Hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I would definitely, I would, I would give him the contract. I'm like you saying nine, nine and a half. I remember when he signed the contract that he had. Now I remember reporters were asking him, you know, six and a half is good money, but you could have made a lot more. Why sign now when you didn't have to? And I remember back then he was saying that, you know, for him, it's never been about the money. He just wants to play. And he was talking about the prospect of playing with David Krejci at the time, who's one of his heroes. They're both Czech players. So I I think about that as well. While you're trying to re-sign Pasta, I wouldn't want to do David Pasternak dirty at the same time because I'm thinking about their relationship as well. I think that that can't be overstated either. I mean, hey, as long as he keeps getting endorsement deals from Duncan's, 
I think he's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and there's nowhere in the country you can get more Dunkin' Donuts endorsement deals than right here in Massachusetts. Never. So, they could uh, close down every store in every other state and they'd still be making a profit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my second good move by Sweeney is uh, the trading and the eventual signing of Hampus Lindholm. Uh, I think it's definitely important to have uh, not just one good defenseman, but um, I think, Zach, you said last episode, you want to have around three. Looking at the past Stanley Cup champions, they always have some depth at D. And adding a guy like Glenn Holm, who's 27, 28, he's a big body. He can skate skate well. He can move the puck and then trading for him and then locking him up for, for what, six, seven years, eight years? I think that's a great move by Sweeney, um, and I think you really saw that last year. As soon as Lindholm came over, he fit in this team like a glove. So I'm wasn't excited. that a, a pretty uh, friendly market value that he got there? I'm actually I'm not sure what his contract is. I think he's, is he at is he at seven for eight million years? Seven years with eight million coming in that each year. That's about right. He's at eight years, six and a half million a year. That's, oh, that's, that, that's that is such one a hell contract. of a contract. That is yeah. such a good contract. There Sweeney goes. No, we just need to fucking trade everyone off that's young for a better improvement talent. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, and then my, my third point, again, I'm sticking with, with, with defense, is the drafting of Charlie McAvoy. Especially that came right after that just abysmal 2014 draft that I'm not even going to waste time getting into. And it's funny looking back at it now, because I feel like you read stuff about the pick of McAvoy and they'll say stuff like, you know, he's the best right-handed defenseman in the draft. He was a good smooth skating defenseman from BU. I remember distinctly when he was drafted that people were saying it was a reach, that this was a guy that the Bruins could maybe try to get at the end of the first or could even slip into the second. And I remember everybody was circulating that tweet that he had when he tweeted like, oh, damn, I hate Boston or something like that before he got drafted. <laughs> it was, he said like, he tweeted out like, I hate the Bruins hate, so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think – you know, McAvoy is, is is emerging into one of the best defensemen in the league. I think the Bruins have a long history of having elite defensemen, and I feel like McAvoy is the next guy in line. And especially talking – Speaking of him turning into a good defenseman in this league. Who do you I think, think he... he's very similar to Drew Doughty. They have – okay. They're the exact same height. Wow. They're the exact same weight. They play a very similar style. And Drew Doughty was an anchor of a team that won a couple cups. Do you think he can only reach Doughty or do you think he can be better than Doughty? I think it's hard. Because Doughty, you never talked about Doughty as being the best defenseman in the league. I, like, there's, they, you hear it that McAvoy could be the best defenseman in the league. I don't think McAvoy can reach the same offensive output as Doughty. That's the only downside of McAvoy. I think he's good for maybe 50, 60 points a season. But yeah. Do you think it's just our reached... local media talking him up like that to be one of the no, best? No, 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 because he's definitely, he's definitely a top five defenseman in the league, I would say. Like, if you're talking about defensemen, like, he is – so solid in the defensive zone. There's hard, There's hardly anybody else that you can rely on as much as McAvoy when you're in your own end. He blocks shots, great breakouts. He's strong. He protects the net. Like, if you're talking about, a st- I don't want to use stay-at-home defenseman because that's not what he is. But he is so strong in his own end where it's okay if he doesn't reach, you know, seventy points a year. He makes up for it in his own end. So. You can rely yeah. on other guys for that. And I mean, I mean, a, 
a player comp for Drew Doughty. I mean, this is a guy who's a Norris winner, got a couple of cups. He'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. And I think if if Charlie McAvoy, I think he will be one of the best defensemen in the league. I think he's already there. But I think his problem in not being the best defenseman in the league isn't his ability. I think it's unfortunately the defensemen in t- that are coming into the NHL today are insane. Kel McCarr is a freak. He's not like the best player in the league. Yeah. I mean, he's a freak. You know, you look at, uh, I don't know what Owen power is going to turn into, but I know people are high on him. He is going to be so good. dude. Quinn Hughes has been doing some crazy stuff out there in Vancouver, but I think that what Charlie McAvoy has that they don't is his size. That guy is a tree stump on the defensive end and he will throw people around. So I think it really all depends. I feel like everybody would probably would rather say they would have Kale McCarr over Charlie McAvoy, but I feel like if, if yeah. you're building, if you're, <laughs> <laughs> tonight. I yeah. feel like if you start looking at these other defensemen, you know, would you rather have a guy who can, who's strictly offensive, or would you rather have a guy like McAvoy who can give you some offense, but he's also going to be a, st- you know, he can really own the defensive zone. So I think there's very few defensemen in the league who can really excel or be elite at both ends of the ice, and I think the Bruins definitely have one in Charlie McAvoy. Home run draft by Sweeney. There's something you don't say often. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I. Agree, a hundred percent. Um, and then for my for my bad ones, uh, I think we all had that twenty fourteen draft, so I I won't say too much. Tw- sorry, I won't say too much about that. Um, but I hated the signing of Matt Bolesky. I remember that Bruins team had some holes. They wanted to fill. Uh, they wanted a new winger. I believe that was right around the time they traded Lucic. Might have been right after, and they had some money to play around with. And uh, Bolesky was on that line with Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry. And he put up, I think, like 22 goals or something like that in Anaheim. And they just 20 goal season there. Yeah. And they're like, wow, this guy's going to come in here and light the lamp. I believe he played two seasons in Boston, his second season. I think he had like eight goals. And uh, that rolls into my next bad one, which was then using him as well as a bunch of other assets to trade him off for Rick Nash, who played all but 11 regular season games here. And then dipped ricky rick nash baby also i don't I, I don't have the tweet in front of me but i don't know if you've ever seen the rangers how they've benefited from that rick nash trade it just keeps going and going and going the assets that they've been able to flip from the picks and players that they got back from boston is literally their entire core i was well, just gonna say though the uh the Bolesky did i mean i wouldn't call it an outstanding season but he followed that 22 goal season up when he got here, he went 15 goals, 22 assists, 37 points. But even before that, he only had 32 points. So he I think became the, more I, of a playmaker. I think sure. the problem, though, with that more relies on the contract that he got. I mean, they locked him up for five years at three and a half per. And I don't feel comfortable with a player getting that wasn't a bad first season in Boston, but we all saw what happened his second season in Boston. And it was bad enough for the Bruins to just scrap it two years into a five-year deal. When they, when we got Bolesky, I honestly was, I didn't know how to feel about it. Cause I was like, he's okay. But like, I don't see him as being like a key piece to this team in the future. Like he's just kind of like your average second or third line winger. Like, yeah. Nothing special about him. I was always curious to see how he would do because he was a player I always thought was a product of his environment. I mean, he's playing on an incredible line. I mean, Getzlaff is a future Hall of Famer and Corey Perry. I Was is Corey Perry or Bobby Ryan on that wing? Do you remember? I, I think it was Corey Perry. 
either way, he's playing with a 50 goal scorer. So I was curious to see what it would look like if he came to Boston and didn't have those guys in his line anymore. And to his credit, like Zach said, his first year here wasn't horrible, but his second year here was bad enough that it's a contract people still talk about to this day, and it was bad enough that he was shipped out of town. 100% agree. Was that was that your three? Yeah. So I'll start off with my top three, his best ones. Um, one, I love bringing Craig Smith into this team. I think as a I – I wouldn't even call him really a second line forward, but for secondary scoring purposes, bringing him in on a, um, a very team-friendly deal almost. I think he's just making a little bit over $3 million. Uh, I know he's making less than Felino. But and that alone right there makes it worth it. But <laughs> he's scoring about I don't know f- somewhere between like fifteen to twenty goals a season. Usually putting up somewhere in the mid thirties to low forties in points. And he can play on the power play. I mean, he's reliable in his own end. He's a he's a solid guy who you can lean on in both sides of the ice. And when they brought him in, I thought that was great. Like you, you're kind of what this team is lacking right now is secondary scoring, and. If, if you could just find some top six guys to kind of slide in, maybe Zaka does. Um, maybe Dubrovsk takes a step up this year. And then you got Pasta and Marshawn on the front line. And then you have Craig Smith on the third. Like, that's great. Like, you have some actual offensive depth bringing him in. So I like that move as a whole. Um, another one that I loved. Oh, I'm going to actually, no, I'll talk about it now. The best move that I think he's made so far was the Taylor Hall trade. He literally, and I don't know how Buffalo allowed this to even happen. They're just like, get this absolute piece of shit out of our locker. He, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't get it. We traded Anders no, Bjork. Do you not remember? Taylor Hall said the only place he was going to agree to a trade was Boston. And so Boston was just like, this is all we're giving you. Yeah, they were kind of handcuffed. They were like, fuck, like, we just need to get rid of this guy. We're going to take whatever we can get. But we traded Anders Bjork and a 2021 second round pick for Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. Lazar played a lot for us, first of all. He was a great fourth line forward. And then obviously you have Taylor Hall, like literally first overall pick, um, offensive threat. He's a sniper. You can score from wherever, put him on MVP. the power play, MVP. MVP. Yeah. Like and you and you got him for Andres Bjork on a second round pick. That's crazy. Now, how how do you feel about his extension? I mean, I like it. it. it, it I thought that there were moments in that playoff run last year where I, he was the only guy I felt like show up. Not in the playoff runs, a generous fucking sentence. There's <laughs> uh, there are moments in our playoffs last year that he was the only guy I felt like that showed up. Um, so I feel like it, I'm not worried about him checking out on this team yet. I, not, I mean, he could, because there's also games that he did check out. I feel like it's kind of the ebb and flows of his game, but historically he's just completely checked out on people. I don't, yeah. I, I don't see that happening here. At least not. Wow. You still got guys like, I know I'm not going to even talk about Bergeron and Krejci because they might be gone, but as long as you have guys like Martian, and Pasta and McAvoy and Lindholm and Swayman, I don't think you'll ever have to worry about Hall checking out. So I think it's yeah. a fair contract. I think it's a good and contract. Yeah, he's a three. He's got three years left, six million dollars. I mean, 
I guess uh, I guess in our salary crump, our salary cap crunch, you he could potentially be a guy, unfortunately, who gets moved because he does have value. So if you are looking to kind of retool the team, I think he's one of the first guys to go. Um, because like you said, like six million dollars is not a bad contract. And the he's, problem with that is though, I'm at the point right now where I think this is his last stop. Maybe not his last stop in the NHL, but his last stop where any team looks at him with value. Because if he gets moved from here, it means Edmonton's moved on from him. New Jersey's moved on from him after an MVP season. Buffalo's moved on from him. And then the Bruins are moving on from him. At that point, people just be like, no, this guy's a cancer to the locker room. We don't, and we're not going to give you anything real for him. Like, he might be a good player, but I don't think he can be. I, you know what he would turn into? I think he'd turn into a man can, where he probably just hits the fucking market on a buyout. I don't know if I can see him on a buyout, but I think I think if it, if that is the case, and teams kind of view him as a guy who is honestly kind of just like a suitcase, and like teams just like <laughs> to move, teams just like to move on from him, kind of deadline guy. Yeah, he's just the trade deadline guy. Like you never really know when he's gonna go somewhere else. But um, just that chili, I'm calling you. Take a flyer on that from bar. I mean, but, uh, yeah, but it's but the like, deadline. Come, come play for us. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, oh god, he could be the slump buster of the NHL. Like if your team is just kind of looking to add some extra scoring. Yeah, I brought Taylor Hall in the locker. We made the playoffs. Yeah, but maybe, maybe that's because teams who are looking to make that push, who aren't really at that level yet can keep acquiring him because they think that he can get him over the edge. And then when he doesn't, but do you move him? Because you, like I said, you're getting pennies on the dollar at that point. Is it worth it? Is it just to be like, at that point, I would say it's probably worth it just to get, just to get that money off the books and, and focus elsewhere. I'm not saying trade him like, no, he's like, he's staying on the team. I'm (laughs) saying if that moment ever comes, I think he might be the first guy that, Sweeney and company kind of takes calls on and just to kind of see what they can get for him. Cause right away you clear six mil. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good amount of money. I feel like he could be a sneaky, really valuable trade deadline guy for the Bruins. Yes. Like you just said, if they were to move him, if his head is in the game, like Zach just said, there were times, like you said, he was the only guy showing up in the playoffs. I remember distinctively watching him chase guys down, stealing the puck from in the zone and then just turn around and, booking it all the way down the ice in a two-on-one. I mean, there's there's a desire for that, for a player who could give you the effort, not just to put the puck in the net, but who can then turn around and bust his ass on defense as well. And if a player like that, if there's a team that's fighting for a final playoff spot, or if there's a team that's maybe one player away, one winger away from making a real shot at the cup and the Bruins are out there dangling Taylor Hall in trade talks, I feel like they could, they, they could really start opening up their chest of assets, whatever it could be to land a player like that. Yeah, like I'm. I mean, I'm at like trying to think of a team who's kind of on the playoff bubble. Say a team like, um, say Vancouver. Say Vancouver is maybe four or five points out of playoffs by trade deadline, and where this is a complete hypothetical situation, obviously. But say we're like ten points out, we're not looking too good. Um, we can't catch up to teams who have taken a, a, a leap ahead of us, like an Ottawa or a Detroit, and we just need assets. I could see them shipping Taylor Hall for not maybe not draft picks, but 
a good prospect, an actual prospect who has potential. Um, maybe somebody, a younger guy who's already been in the NHL, who's who's been playing well, and you add him into the lineup, and then you just move on from there, and you get what you can from from him, and that kind of helps speed up your retool a little bit. Yeah, because I feel it, like yeah. I feel like moving Taylor Hall would be if if Taylor Hall was a, a deadline trade from the Bruins. I feel like that's essentially kind of waving the white flag, yes. on yeah, not yeah, just yeah. season, but I feel like that's finally you saying, okay, let's let's start this rebuild. Because if you have a guy like Taylor Hall, you're not moving him to immediately improve your roster. I mean, what what winger would be out there that you could you could replace Taylor Hall with that would immediately give you an upgrade that's right. available. And I feel like if you were to move Taylor Hall to look to your point, like you said, you're looking for prospects, you're looking for draft picks. And I feel like that in its own would be a, a way of letting Bruins fans know, okay, you know, we're we're finally committing to this. Let's do this rebuild. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to move on to my third best. It's probably the Lucic trade to uh, LA. We got 2015 first round pick, which we wasted. Maybe. Actually, that's to be seen because it is Jacob Zaboral that we use that pick on. And I think this year we're really going to see what he can what, what he can do in terms of his game. Uh, we also got Colin Miller and Ooh, Martin Jones. still be on this team. Colin Miller? Yeah. I mean, dude, we protected Kevin Miller and Brandon Carlo over Colin Miller. I would still protect Brandon Carlo over Kevin uh, over Colin Miller. I would not protect Kevin Miller over Colin Miller. <laughs> <laughs> they, picked, they picked the sweetie. Sweetie got back to the office one night and he just saw Miller and he was like, just assuming it was Kevin and he was just approved it. Nope. Like he was, was like three scotches deep, hanging out of Ray Bork all day. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> We also turned um, Zach. You were you were talking earlier how what we turned Martin Jones into. You want to talk about that? I mean, I forget the exact specifics, but we we flipped Martin Jones off for like a a fourteenth pick or something. And oh, it was yeah, it was, it was um, Trent Frederick and Sean Corrali. Yeah, and I just feel like oh, it's completely revisionist history. So, I guess. Well, what do you think? All right, so now that everything's been all said and done, and you've been paying like Rask, what, seven, eight million dollars the last like six or seven years, you could add like a three or four year run on Martin Jones at like three no. million dollars. Dude, he went off, he went to a fucking cup literally the year after we traded him. What year did they trade him? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was 20, it, it was the season after 2014. It was 20, mm. Yeah, yeah. So it was the 2015 off or 2014 off season. Sorry, because I remember when, like you said, when they got Martin Jones, I was like, "Who? What? You know, what does this mean for Tuka Rask? Are they going to go one A, one B? Martin Jones is younger. I don't know what's going on here." And then they traded Martin Jones, and Martin Jones had an incredible season his first year in San Jose. Dude, they traded Martin Jones and within like the first off. ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, and thinking about the at the time, getting rid of Rask wouldn't have been that. Been it, Rask wasn't who he is now, as a lot of you people look at him in Boston. At the time, it was the guy that Thomas had to take over for in the 2011 Cup. That guy that shit down his fucking pants in the last 90 seconds against Chicago in the Stanley Cup. Uh, he obviously did have a good 2014, just like most of his seasons are statistically good. 
Well, at that point, it wasn't like he is this guy that you looked at year in, year out being like, oh, yeah, he's going to come in around like two goals against it, blah, blah, blah. At the time, you could have justified being like, you know what, we're going to go with the guy that costs a third of the price. And he probably would have played well for the first few years, and it wouldn't have looked that bad. I will say, though, Martin Jones uh, was traded the year after Rask won the Vesna. So I feel like that still would be a little – if the Bruins shipped Tuka Rask out then, you know, I know you said that he crapped down his pants for those 17 seconds in 2013. We don't, we don't have to get into Dude, the whole Tuka Rask thing again. No, no, no. Wait, time out, time out. Zach is – this is what it's led to. Tuka Rask, Tuka Rask kind of blew away 17 seconds of one game, and now Zach is talking about having Martin Jones in net instead of Tuka Rask. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just saying, revisionist history, it makes it easier. But at the end of the day, you never won anything with him. Do you think things might have been different if you took a goalie that was cost a third of the price and you built out the rest of the team better? Because it's not like you can say it fucking worked. Because it I didn't. Mean, you never those, won a championship. Those, I mean, late teen Bruins teams, though, were really good. Uh, that 2019 team that should have won was really good. I believe they had hey, a president what, what happened they, there what happened? well they lost the stanley cup yeah but how, do, uh, well, how what did martin jones do <laughs> that did, year didn't play that good. Oh, well, i don't fuck it dude it doesn't matter what martin jones did okay. or didn't do that year what did you put martin jones there right same exact team built around him martin jones instead of tuka rask and an extra four million dollars to get another stud defense well well now now we what? can now we can we, start looking no, no, at the on. domino. Wait, no, hang on. Now we can start looking at domino effects. I remember you saying that the Bruins, the 2019 season, the reason they got to the cup was because they had that easy path. Are the Bruins the same seed if they don't have Tuka Rask in net? If they have Martin Jones in net and they're not as no. good of a regular season team, maybe they're a six seed, seven seed, eight seed. You Next thing you right. know, they're up against Tampa in the first round and, and they don't even get to the cup final. Or, hey, you know what? Maybe Martin Jones is a guy that just turns out not to be scared of Tampa. And all of a sudden, he fucking plays good against them. I don't know. I don't believe it. All right. All I'm saying is if you – it's revisionist history. It's easy to talk about the past. It's just something fun to talk about now that you never never won anything with Rask. You gave him a lot of money to be your goalie. Not that you didn't statistically deserve it, but when all the chips were in, he never showed up for you. And – there's a discussion to be had. Maybe you could have been better off having a guy like Martin Jones that cost a third of the price and you built out more in front of him. And the thing is, we'll never know. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, you'll never know. You'll never know. But look at look at the uh look at all the goalies that have won lately, right? If the guys that are absolute Vasilevsky? studs, all the guys that were studs, didn't they win on rookie deals? Wasn't that Crawford on a rookie deal? Oh, well, Vasilevsky's a know that. different animal. That guy is insane. No, yeah. I know. I'm just saying, too, though, his his money, I don't think his cap hits that big because he's on a rookie deal. Well, also, I mean, he's in Florida, so they don't like they don't have to take money out for taxes, so everybody signs for cheaper. Yeah, but dude, I'm, like I'm saying, all right, well, all right, you missed my point. All I'm saying is, <laughs> can you find me? And I, I'm asking, like, honestly, I'm not, like, saying because it's going to prove my point. I'm asking, honestly. When's the last time a big paid goalie has won a cup? Andre Vasilevsky. I I'm pretty sure isn't he on his rookie deal still? No, 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 I don't no, think no, no. so. No, they gave him a no, fat is he deal. making money? Okay, all right. So yeah, all right. Then you proved my point. 
No, you went against my point. Proved my point wrong. Well, hey, also Nick did say it's a different animal. <laughs> yeah, he's insane. Um, yeah, he just signed a uh, an eight year, nine and a half million dollar contract. Time but, out, though. Time out. That team was way over the fucking cap. I was gonna wanted. say <laughs> it is the Lightning, though. They will intentionally injure a player and then just hide him until the playoffs come around and then have him come join the team. No, well, that's that... a headman on his shot him behind the woodshed. Signs of people. <laughs> they, they just go through that, go down the list and pick a guy and say, "All right, you're gonna have to break your leg this year, but we'll see you come." You know, no, it is Sorry, buddy. Bite down on this pencil. It is insane how they just continuously just use L. TIR to just cheat basically. And it's, it's even more insane that they haven't done anything about it. Uh, I know. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty when you have a guy like hey, Kucherov abuse that system right now. I think. When you have a guy who's making like 11 million however much Kucherov is making, it's I believe it was like 9, 10 million or something like that and then you're oh. able to use that money to then acquire players like didn't they get like Braden Point or something like that with his money? Yep. And then and then have Kucherov come back in the playoffs, beat Ten million dollars over the cap and win yep. the Stanley Cup. And you yeah. could argue Are you that Braden Point's been their best playoff. Player. Yeah, yeah. Like that's <laughs> it's it's it feels like it's such an easy thing to say. Oh no, we messed up with this rule. Let's get rid of that. But it's yeah. it's it it you know a couple years so later. I guess and there's it's an still... asterisk on that one. All right, take Vasilevsky making ten million off the table because they're already <laughs> over the cap. I'm a legitimate team that's around the cap. That has won with paying their goalie issue. Well, Actually, I 20, feel like that's a fun question. 2019, 2020, Zach, when Tampa won, Vasilevsky was making three and a half million. Exactly. Yeah. And then even to go further back, and then it was Bennington on that fucking joke of a deal because he came up from AHL and was like, honestly, never supposed to be in the NHL. Yeah. Um, How much so, was, uh, was Braden Holpe making? That's what I was just gonna say. I don't think he was making a lot. I think that's why he left, and he took a he took a different contract out in Vancouver. Oh, Jonathan Quick was definitely making a lot of money in 2014, but even then, you have to go back what nine years. I mean, what was your, the year? What was point, the year that Washington won the cup? Was that 2018? 2018? Yeah, because to your point, I mean, if if Vasilevsky's making three and a half per year, looking back at the recent goalies, I mean. How much is Kemper making? Not I think a lot. Kemper right? was at like six and a half. He's only making like six now, and he just won a cup, so he probably wasn't making six when he won and it. Vasilevsky was on his rookie deal. Bennington's on his rookie deal. I don't know what Hopi is. Hopi was those, seven. Those Penguins teams, though, uh, I know they had Matt Murray, but was Flurry making a lot of money back then? He was making five mil. Murray or Flurry? Flurry, which okay. still isn't. Rask money isn't Rask money isn't Rask well, making like nine and a half ten million dollars? Here, what year was that? Twenty sixteen. Rask that, was making know? seven and a half. No way, Rask is making more. No, no he, we most, never paid him most, that much money. He, he never made more than seven and a half in a season. He made uh twenty twenty twelve twenty thirteen twenty fourteen the year they lost to Chicago. He made six. Uh, then he made seven and a half until twenty eighteen. And then 2019, 7, 2020, 6.5, and last year, 6.5. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Goalies are weird, though. I feel I, – I never know what a, a, an adequate contract is for a goalie in the NHL. Because I would say there's, you never really want to pay a goalie more than seven. 
I feel like you never want to give a goalie a long-term deal because, first of all, especially goalies there, they're, they're a lot, most of them play butterfly, and those hips are gone in five to six years, depending on the style that they play. And there's so many goalies that we've seen that have been a total flash in the pan that have one or two really good years, and then they just become career backups. I, I, I'm horrified to give goalies long-term deals. Unless yeah. your goalie is Andre Vasilevsky, then I give that guy an eight-year deal. <laughs> right, yeah. What about Different that guy animal. on the Rangers? What about that guy? Shesterkin. Oh, Shesterkin. Yeah, I, I, he's still I, too young. We don't we don't really know yet. He's still... You know who's a good goalie who just doesn't get his due? Who? And it's because of Vasilevsky? Ben Bishop. No. Yeah. He's so Well, he used to be. He's shot now. He's so hurt. But wasn't he good his first year when he got moved on over to he Dallas? Was, he was, yeah, he was. Good. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know the injury history about him. So if he's not good anymore, he's not good. But like, when he they almost had to retire. From, when they moved on from Bishop, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And obviously, I Dallas mean, or kid, Tampa? Tampa. When Tampa moved on from Bishop, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And then obviously, yeah. like, imagine that. <laughs> It's like it's like when you go from Favre to Aaron Rodgers. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, we got better actually. <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy too, looking at the shape of the league because you could even say ten years ago there was maybe seven to eight really good goalies, and the rest of the teams are trying like hell to get one of them. I mean, now it's it's hard to find a team that doesn't have somebody who they think is a franchise goalie on their team. That's how I feel about quarterbacks now too. I feel yeah. like that just might be the way athletes are headed these days. Uh, yeah, like everybody so is so skilled. Yeah. If you look at it, I wouldn't say there's 15 good to great quarterbacks in the league. Well, there's probably 25 to 28 teams that at least feel like that they have somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, and like I feel teams I, out there that are legitimately just like we're kind of fucked, but we're just doing it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's the same with goalies. I mean, I feel like there's probably five teams out there who say, okay, we have you know an S tier Vesna caliber goalie. I feel like there's an, another handful of teams. I feel like they have their franchise cornerstone, and then I feel like the rest of the teams say, all right, we can roll with this guy in net. Like I feel like everybody at least is it's somewhat well, I mean, look comfortable. What the Avalanche did last year. That's exactly what they did. They're like, hey, Kemper can. Kemper won't kill us. Yeah. He might not win us a game, but he's not going to lose us a game. Yeah. True. And it's weird. I, 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 I try to think about when the mentality shifted because I feel like teams in the past have always been built from the goalie out. You start with your goalie, then you get your defense, then you get your offense. And now you see teams that have a great offense, a great defense, a goalie who you wouldn't think would be the guy to carry his team to the playoffs, and they can make deep runs. I don't. I don't know about that. I think. I think the Avalanche have been the only team that's made a deep run with the fucking nobody. Because look at what's been happening to the Oilers. They have two of the best forwards in the entire world, and it's just like count them. Count them for a fucking disappointment. I feel like the Oilers' problem though is that they've never had good defense. And I know that I've always felt like your team is only as good as your defense is. You can have the best offense in the world. You can have the best goalie between the pipes. But if your defense sucks, you're not going to break the puck out of the zone. You're going to be giving up odd man rushes. And good luck keeping the puck in the offensive zone. And I feel like that's been Edmonton's problem. They've had all of these top five picks. They had like four first-round picks 
four first overall picks in a row. And to their credit, they took the best guy available, which has always been a forward. But I feel like they haven't put a lot of effort towards building up their defensive core. They've been looking more towards it recently, which is why we've been seeing them do better. But I think of like seven, eight years ago when, you know, they were uh, a better, a, a good team and their top defenseman was like Andrew Ferentz. I mean, do you expect to make it deep in the playoffs when you have a defensive core like that? No, but it's funny that this whole conversation about goalies was sparked by Martin Jones. (laughs) 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 But I'm going to move on really quick to – I'm going to do this really quick. My three worst – We haven't even gotten through those yet. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. My – one of them, uh, trading a third-round pick for Zach Aldo. Terrible. Like, I don't know why, what what even the, what was supposed to be his role in this team. Terrible move. Number two is probably getting Andres Kasha. Andres Kasha, however you say it. (laughs) Like, yeah, you got rid of Bax's contract, but you also traded one of our prospects who didn't really turn into anything, but you also traded a first round pick for him. So it's kind of tough that you had to get rid of a first round pick just to offload Bax's contract, basically. But, you, you got to do what you got to do. And I'm just going to piggyback on Zach. 2015 was so bad. I can't think of anything that was worse. But so those are my three bad ones. Now let's jump into the second round draft of our Bruins oh, all-time team. I so, got first pick again. Let's go. Yes. Do, so, we, do we get a backup goalie? Yes. Yes, we do. I guess. Well, I already know gonna... who my first pick is. So All right. Oh, boy. Have to take a Bergeron first overall. I'm curious to know who your first <laughs> pick is in the second round. Well, this like is I a said, sweetie draft from you. All about what's in my heart. All right. But I'm just going to remind everybody of the teams that we have so far. So the first round was done in the first episode. Um, You can go back and listen to that if you want. Electric episode. So Zach's team. I'll do his forwards first. I, I would like to remind everybody that this is a... <laughs> All-time Bruins team. This is his. This is his first line forwards. He's got. He's got Milan Lucic on the left. He's got Patrice Bergeron down the middle. I respect the choice. And then he has Sergei Samsonov on the right. So that's his. That's his. Wait, Zach. Wait. That's his first line forward group. His defense. His first pair of defense is Brad Park and Charlie McAvoy, and his goalie is Tim Thomas. My team is Brad Marchand on the left, Tony Esposito in center, and Terry O'Reilly on right, with Bobby Orr and Zdeno Chara on my first D-pair, and my goalie is Tuka Rask. According to Zach, because I have Tuka, I will never win anything. <laughs> <laughs> so now Nick's team, which I would say is probably the number one team so far. Easily. Oh, thanks. He's, he's got Rick Middleton, Cam Neely, and Adam Oates for the first line of forwards. And then on defense, he has Eddie Shore and Ray Bork. And for his goalie, he has Tiny Thompson. So now we start round two. And round two, Joe Thornton. First, the first pick is Zach. <laughs> you picked your all right, Joe Thornton. Jumbo Joe, baby. Hang on. I, I have a question. The players, yeah. The players that we pick – like is it their career overall so like say say we pick a player who signed with the Bruins when he was like 50 but was put up 100 point seasons for like Detroit his whole career and then just ended a season here 
You know what I'm saying? Like, do we get yeah. the player that we pick? Do we just get them their I one year in the Bruins? You're getting whatever their peak was on the Bruins. If that's who you pick. Okay. So like, I get I get Milan Lucic's peak. So it's not like I'm getting the the entirety of his career, but what he plays as will be that that cup run Lucic. I gotcha. Okay. Well, there goes one yeah. of my picks then. Damn it. I, I honestly I will say like, just for example, like if you picked Jerome Aginla, mm-hmm. it would have to be. His Bruins year, not his, his Calgary years. Yeah, like his gotcha. whatever year no Thomas that Caverley. they played for the Bruins. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Not. <laughs> Tell me, I can't pick Rich Peverly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, whatever year that was their best year, but on the Bruins. Gotcha. Yeah. So all right, so I have number two. So I'm gonna take. You know what? Like I like I argued, you need a good one A and a one B in net. So my one B, I'm gonna take a goalie. I I'm going to take Jerry Cheevers. I knew it. God damn it. <sighs> so just to remind everybody, I have Tuka Rask and Jerry Cheevers on my team. So good luck. I was going to – this is why I asked the question. I was going to take Paul Coffey because he ended his, his career here. But that dude played – I think he had like four points his last year in Boston. He was like 41. He was a salary cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to take a winger, uh, okay. and I will be taking Johnny Busick. Ooh, that's a good pick. Fuck, yeah. Nick, your team is so good. I know. I'm building something special over here. <laughs> yeah, my team will drink your team under the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm going to go Mike Strout, the whole 1A, 1B. I was waiting on Jerry Cheevers. Yep. But I knew he was going to go. I'm going to take uh, Andy Moog. Mm. That's still a good pick. That's right. He's a backup. All right. So take Andy Toivonen. With my, with, <laughs> with my second pick in the second round, I'm going to take – screw it. I'm going to take David Krejci as my second line center. Uh, can I change All my right. last pick? All right, nope. Z. No. <laughs> All right. Not because he was any good on the Bruins. Yeah, actually might have been an extreme disappointment on this team. But the dude just fucks. I'm taking Yagamir Yager. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Again, my team's all about what's in the heart. And um, you know who I absolutely love and I'm taking on D? Let me know. Adam McQuaid. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're going to, if we ever put this to a poll, you might win just because you have like the most lovable Bruins <laughs> of all time. Yeah, but if we did this in a simulation, I might get 20 wins. <laughs> yeah. Not even. So I have Krejci and Cheevers so far in this round. I think I'm going to take at right wing, Mr. Ken Hodge. Oh, that's what I was looking at. Yep. So you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, so far in this in this uh round, you've taken Andy Moog and Johnny Busick. Now we start getting towards the slim pickings. We start getting towards the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Who are the who are the good depth guys that you can grab? Um. Oh, don't worry, I got them. I had a couple of guys couple. I wanted, and now they've been picked. I am going to take. Let's go, Wayne Cashman, right winger action. All right, Zach. All right, you up, dude? Oh yeah, I get back to back picks. Oh yeah, it yeah. is Mel. My bad. My bad. 
Uh, I need a center, right? Who's running this draft? Am I the commissioner of the second? <laughs> yeah. right I think you should be the commissioner of the draft. Give me uh, Derek Sanderson. Oh, that's a good Ooh. one. I was going to actually try to grab him. Yeah, he was actually my next pick. <laughs> All right. So you get Sanderson. You know what? No, I can't do that yet. Hang on. Do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take, take hey I'm gonna take <laughs> Mr. Dit Clapper. Ah the clap. <laughs> I'm gonna take uh Jamie Swayman. Ooh. <laughs> and this next pick might be my most controversial pick. PJ Axelson. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best pick you've made so far. Time out. Can I tell you his second line of forwards? It is better than the first. PJ Axelson, Joe Thornton, and Yarmie Yager. <laughs> <laughs> They're five on fives and practice are going to end in a zero zero tie. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to kind of go Zach's route here because I, I like that pick. I'm going to go – no, you know what? I'm going to take Nathan Horton. Ooh, oh, sneaky good pick. Good one. <laughs> There's someone left on the board that I kind of want to snag. Can I – No. you know, do I have to go – do I have to build out my second unit or can I just grab someone else? You can grab – like you, if you want to wait and build your defense for like the third and fourth round, that's fine. You're okay. just going to – you're going to have some s- slim pickings. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> Bro, my fucking second line is gonna be Colin Miller and Kevin Miller. <laughs> <laughs> remember when? Uh, remember when the Bruins used to run Chara and Mara together? Oh my god! Don't, <laughs> don't remind me, dude. It was so bad. All right, I need. That was finish. so disrespectful to Zdeno Chara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just put this other tall guy whose last name rhymes with him on his break yeah. staring. They're like, oh, it's just Chara with an M. Like it's gonna work yeah. out great. All right, I need to I need to finish out my defensive core, and I'm not gonna lie, I have never heard of this guy before. But turns out he uh, was a finalist for the Norris, uh, four straight years in Boston, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so that is Fern Flamin. Not gonna lie to you, Mel, <laughs> I have never heard of never this heard man. of him. He's got a cup, three-time All-Star, Hall of Fame. Uh, so he finished. Four, he went four years in a row in the Norris running. He's only a three-time All-Star. Yeah, well, he played. He played in the '40s and '50s. So, oh, that's okay. He played for Toronto. Ooh, ooh, it's my so, pick, right? He doesn't have that dog in him. Yeah, it is. I'm going to take Mister Mike Milberry on defense. <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah. back in my draft for the second round to piggyback off of Nathan Horton, I'm taking Tyler Sagan. Oh, no. oh, I actually – I love that's, that pick. I'm not going to lie. That's a good one. And so that will be your third-line center too. Yeah. I have some great centers. I'm, I'm taking Sedition. I, I have some <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> I love him. That concludes our second-round draft. So now I'll read off the teams really quick just so it's, it's nice and organized. Zach, I'll go first. He's missing a – second pairing defenseman but that's okay so he's going he's going he's starting Lucic, Bergeron and Samsonov with a second line of PJ Axelson, Joe Thornton and Yarmir Yager on defense he has Brad Park, Charlie McAvoy and Adam McQuaid 
And his goalies are Tim Thomas and Jeremy Swayman. It's a 45-year-old Yager, too. Don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) Two goals and seven assists, baby. Let's fucking go. All right, so my team. My team's first line is Brad Marchand, Tony Esposito, and Ryan Ryan O'Reilly. Terry O'Reilly. Tony Esposito. Oh my God, Phil Esposito. Jeez. <laughs> and my se- yeah, my second line is Nathan Horton, David Krejci, and Ken Hodge, with a defense of Bobby Orr, Zdeno Chara, Mike Milbury, and Dit Clapper, with goalie <laughs> <laughs> with goalies of Tuka Rask and Jerry Cheevers. I think that team beats Zach's ten out of ten. I think my team has way more swagger. <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> So just to remind everybody of Nick's team, he has at his his uh, starting forwards would be Rick Middleton, Cam Neely, and Adam Oates with a second line of Cashman, Sanderson, and Johnny Busick. That's that's an unbelievable second line. Not too bad, huh? Not too bad. <laughs> and then on defense, his first pairing is Eddie Shore and Ray Bork with Tory Krug and Flamin. Um, and then and then his goalies are Tiny Thompson and Andy Moog. So I think he's got he's probably got the best team so far. Um, I do have Flamin. You do have Flamin. Everybody, Flamin. everybody knows Flamin. Flamin, Flamin. Everybody loves Flamin. So we're about an hour twenty-five in, and I think we really really have time for one more segment. We've been going on for kind of a while, so let's go with. Our best Bruins memory. What, what's what's one thing when you think about the Bruins? What sticks out to you the most? And uh, we'll start with Zach. So mine was I don't know what made this such a special time in my life, but that Cup run in 2013 was unreal because I had just finished my senior year of high school. You were out in like the second week of May where I went to high school, so I had basically the entire Cup run of nothing to do but come in for maybe an hour of day during finals and my buddy he was he was a huge Bruins fan too and we would just get I think I think we were still on Miller Lights back then we would just pick up a case of Miller Lights every night go back to my place order a bunch of wings crush a bunch of Miller Lights watch like this Bruins game unfold and it was just the most exciting time ever because you're young you're drinking for the first time and you got like that epic comeback against Toronto. You get the four-game sweep against Pittsburgh, and then you go into the finals, and you go up with two goals. They're two goals up going into the end of game six. I mean, obviously, you know what that turned out, but even the heartache kind of made it, you know, something like a great memory because you're just like, you know, the highs and lows that you were riding during that time were unreal. That was that was probably my my favorite my favorite stretch of Bruins my biggest Bruins memory the most like fond time I think of when I think of the Bruins. So let me ask you, did you that 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 game seven against Toronto that year right? Obviously, it sticks up to everybody who even like rarely follows the Bruins. Like everybody knows about that game, but were you? one of those people who turned it off and then when you saw that they were coming back, turned it back on or did you watch the whole thing? We watched the whole way through because we were just like, honestly, the, the losing didn't, because again, like I said, we were, we were just finishing up high school. We were, you know, just starting to drink or had been only drinking for like a year or so. So drinking was still like exciting. 
We were just like, ah, oh, fuck it, dude. Let's just see how many beers we can knock back before this game is over. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's Bergeron nets one in to tie it. And obviously there's a little bit more of a build up there, but just to kind of keep the story short, you know, Bergeron nets that one to tie it. You see like everyone, you saw the, what the fuck you call it? When the, they, they dropped in. They showed the, the Toronto crowd outside. Absolutely demoralized when that thing got tied. And you knew, you knew when that thing got tied up that you were going to win. But obviously, you know, once the puck drops starting in overtime, you're at the edge of your seat. Every single shot just has you fucking pissing your pants a little bit. You're like, oh, oh. And then, you know, <laughs> fucking puts that thing in to win. And I just, it was probably a, it might be up there with the, it's up there with the Poppy home run, with the Malcolm Butler interception, with the, the Poppy home run. I, fuck, the Poppy home run against Detroit. It's up yeah, there that's the, the one I was, that's the one I assumed you were talking about. Yeah, the Poppy home run against the Tribune. Honestly, like that that Bruins Cup run kicked off about a solid nine months of nothing but winning in, in right. Boston. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, we may not have won the cup, but we fucking got really deep there. Then the Sox just went on an unreal tear. That kicked off maybe the most exciting nine month stretch of um, Boston sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And not to mention too, that was right after the uh, Boston Marathon. Because yep. that was that was the bombing year. Yep. Yeah. So that just kind of capped it all off. But all right, Mel, what about you? What's your favorite Bruins memory? I think I have two. The first one I remember distinctively watching when the Bruins won the cup in twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. Cause at that point we had seen the Red Sox win in 04, 07. We saw the Celtics win in 08. We saw the Pats win three. We never saw the Bruins win. And the Bruins were always my team, I mean, I was four when by the time the Pats had three Super Bowls. I didn't really care about basketball in 2008. And the Red Sox, I hardly remember those. I was a kid. But those Bruins Stanley Cup, I remember that distinctively. I remember game seven. I remember where I was sitting on the couch. I remember um, the next day after they won the cup, my mom went to Dick's Sporting Goods and got me one of the Stanley Cup T-shirts and brought it to school. And I went in the bathroom and changed. And everybody was like, dude, how'd you already get this shirt? I was like, my, my mom went on her lunch break, man. I don't know what to tell you. I remember that distinctively. Um, and then what Zach just said, that that 2013 Cup run, there were two parts that I remember so well. The first was obviously the comeback against, against Toronto. I remember I – I didn't think it was going to happen. I think I was on my phone and the next thing you knew it was four to two and, and they, they cut into Nazem Kadri and he's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't actually know it was Kadri. The fourth goal they got was Nazem Kadri. And he was like, pretty much waving everybody like, yeah, you're done. You're done. And I was like, this son of a bitch, please. I would do <laughs> anything to have the Bruins come back. And it was four to two. And I was like, well, you know, at least they're going down swinging. And then it was four to three. And with like a minute left and like, that's when they cut to Toronto and they were like, like the fan cam and they were like, Oh shit. Like, <laughs> Oh, what are we doing here? And then of course, you know how the game ended in, in the celebration on the ice. And then I remember I ran outside, I called uh, Kyle call me on my phone and, and we had like a half hour conversation. I was like, it was like 1030 at night. I was screaming in my driveway. I couldn't believe what just happened. And then I couldn't fall asleep for the rest of the night. And then I remember, the Eastern Conference Finals, and they played Pittsburgh, 
I yeah. wanted so badly to beat them because that was the year that Drew McGinley was supposed to be in Boston. And he basically says, no, nah, um, screw yeah. you. I'm going to Pittsburgh instead. And I was like, man, like the Penguins were a better team that year. I did not think – I, a better team, I did not That's think the Bruins like, had a chance. Was so sick. They like, won, you guys suck. Yeah, they, they, won, they won game <laughs> one. And I was, they won game one, and I was like, damn, like that's a good start. They won game two, and, and I was like, okay, you know, this is going to plan. I never thought they were going to sweep. I remember never. the day the day after they swept, I changed the wallpaper on my phone to the bear with the Bruins jersey, like like with a broom, <laughs> yeah. and I had that as my wallpaper all the way throughout the rest of the playoffs. That was, I think, the the game against Toronto was the best hockey game I've ever seen as a Bruins fan, but that series against Pittsburgh was the most satisfying I've ever watched. Dude, as a honestly, as a hockey fan, I think that was the greatest. That was the greatest hockey game I've ever watched. Against Toronto? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Literally that against Toronto. That game had so many ups and downs. I, not, so many. I was bipolar for downs. three hours. It was, I wasn't going to say that was so many It was just it, – it had a wicked, wicked high up, I guess, if you're a, a Maple Leafs fan, and a wicked, wicked low down if you're a Bruins fan. Yeah. And then it just fucking went whoop. And all of a sudden, like, so you as a – Yeah, you as a – Bruins fan were like at riding the highest of highs, and if you were a Maple Leafs fan, you were like, "Dude, the way we feel after whatever the fuck happened in Game Six against Chicago, imagine that Toronto fell." Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was just. It was all. It was all the storylines, like Mike kind of said before. Toronto could not get past the Bruins to save their life, and now suddenly they're on the verge of doing it. It was the year of the Boston bombing, so there was a bunch of stuff going on in the background that was kind of motivating this team forward. And it was the game was in Boston. It was it was looking back at it now. That was Sagan's last year in Boston. It was just it was the perfect storm of so many things happening. And then the fact that they got it done on their home ice, went to the cup, beat the brakes off of Toronto. It was the best game I've ever seen. Yeah. So. All right. So I'm going to say this for mine. I'm this. So like. 2010, like I followed the Bruins, right? I knew about the Bruins. I knew the guys on the team. Um, but I wasn't like this crazy passionate fan. I was more I was more passionate about the Red Sox at that time. That 2011 season, having Lucic come out and kind of break out, having Nathan Horton on the team, Bergeron, Krejci, Chara, Boychuk, McQuaid, Ferentz, Sean Thornton, Danny Pae, Michael Ryder. Oh my the low line. The, it was the uh, that entire 2011 team made me fall in love with hockey. And the so to to, to to kind of bring it back to the main point of like my one of my favorite Bruins memories is that incredible like like superhuman run that Tim Thomas went on in in the playoffs. Like, every series. It was unbelievable. I remember, like, four or five from Tampa. Like, four or five saves from Tampa, from the Tampa series. And then the Montreal series. Like, he's, he's, like, he's not even, like, playing goalie, dude. He's, like, running around the crease, just diving around on the ice, and he's somehow making all these saves. Like, I remember one specifically. It was against Montreal. And he had this a same a similar save in, against Tampa, where he dove across an empty net 
and he just like threw his stick out there and he's like <laughs> he saved it on the line like that entire run by Tim Thomas and then sweeping or not sweeping sorry and then beating Vancouver who was the president's cup team with beating players Vancouver like, was so good because Vancouver just were these entitled little fucking cunts yeah like they like they had the Sedin twins. They had Luongo. Like I remember specifically, like the Luongo chance in, in the garden. Alex Burrows, yeah, Burrows yeah, biting Bergeron. Yeah, like yeah, they're biting fingers, and then you got Marshan just shoving it down his throat. Remember uh, Marshan uh, tabletop and Sammy Sallow in the corner when he flipped them. Yes, remember that he did like three, I remember that three back flips in the corner, dude. He, and he do you t- remember Vancouver is a the fan base? Burnt their fucking city to the <laughs> yeah. ground yes. once they yeah, lost. They wanted that cup, dude. They literally burned their city. <laughs> I remember. I remember one player. I remember. You remember from... that picture of the two the two that, yes. that couple making out and the fucking city's burner. Honestly, <laughs> beautiful picture made me believe in love. I hope, <laughs> I, I hope they got married, and I hope that's hanging up in like their kitchen. For some, some reason, the the one Meadows. the one Bruins play that I remember so distinctively was when Sean Thornton had that penalty shot, and oh, he did yeah. the backhand oh. toe drag and roofed it, yeah. and he went back to the bench. And everybody was like, "Oh my gosh!" And Sean <laughs> Thornton's like, "Hey man, you know, like, but you didn't know I could do that." <laughs> then yo, back on juniors, I was a fucking scorer, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I actually remember that it was against Andrej Pavlik. In the Jets, because I mean, dude, that's Sean Thornton. Well, he doesn't yeah. really even play hockey. He just hits people and yeah. hits people and dumps the puck in. <laughs> and then he gets a penalty dumps shot, and he, d- <laughs> yeah. and then he gets a penalty shot, and he does some Trevor Zegers shit. Yeah, I was, I remember, I was like, ah, oh, man, like anybody but Sean Thornton, this will be fun. And he proceeds to score one of the most vile goals I've ever seen. Literally. Like a, a, a backhand toe drag that is so hard to do in a at a packed stadium all yes. alone penalty shot and you're an enforcer. I mean the guy <sighs> he probably every single finger in that guy's gloves have probably been broken at some point and he goes oh in there God. with this the softest mitts <laughs> to backhand toe drag roofs it. That was beautiful. Dude oh that that will forever be I'm like it will never change. That will forever be my favorite Bruins team of all time. I don't that care. 2011 team? Yeah. Twenty thirteen oh, was great. Twenty nineteen was great. But, but that two thousand eleven like that Merlot line will always dude. just the guys the that you have. Oh yeah. Squad. Bro, oh yeah. From t- but you know what it is? You know what it comes down to? I think you win a cup and you look at guys differently. It's the same well, thing yeah. as if you win a World Series because, like, it, but it, they did it, it. No, no, I know, I know what you're saying, but it's just like I bet you, like, let's say this squad that we have now, right? Like right now, going into the season, like we don't really have any <laughs> thoughts or feelings on them. Let's just say they won a cup. We would, we would love Nick Foligno. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Derek Forbert would be the new fucking Dennis Seidenberg. Like, this guy's a fucking man. And that that 2011 team that won too was really young. I remember Bergeron was 25. So Marshan was a rookie. Sagan was a rookie. And the, I, I remember Marshan had like four goals in one of those Stanley Cup Finals games or something yes. like that. Bergeron had two goals in that game seven. I mean, so the what fact. What if you saw fucking Jake DeBrusco out there and just like you will be like, holy fucking shit dude this is sick Jake DeBrush just scored four goals 
like you get like a veteran role player like you're talking about fucking craig smith you get craig smith out here and all of a sudden you're like he's the new nathan orton you're like wow this guy's fucking look at this veteran that comes in and he knows how to score goals and play in big games like sweet that's awesome then slam into new tim thomas because you're like wow this guy just kind of is a weirdo but he knows how to play <laughs> the net and you're like and it might not look great every single time, but he he knows what he's doing out there. Yeah. And it really kind of comes time comes down to it. And then the same thing with like like Lindholm and McAvoy. All of a sudden, are like, dude, that was sick. It was like the Bastion Brothers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think of all the things Tim Thomas did, the most incredible thing he did was doing all of that at age thirty-seven, thirty-eight, and thirty-nine, <laughs> flopping no around the way he was. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> guys are four or five years retired. Guys. Are, oh, they open their own business by the time they leave the league yeah. and they're 39. And this guy's out <laughs> flopping on the ground, making stick he's saves. Like his neck's like bent like this as he's on the ground and his legs are like up here, like yeah. fucking squatting. It's, it, it, it makes yeah. you wonder like, where has this been? It's not like the Bruins picked him off off the street. He did. He'd been around. It, I'm, he must've been saving it for the Bruins. And I'm glad that he did. <laughs> he just got hot at the right time. Yeah. And like more than hot, like he, he turned into like literally the greatest goalie in NHL history. He, for he, he, that, like forty fucking feet out of the net. Yes. <laughs> he still holds he records. Like for... the guy up at the blue line. He's like, Let's yeah. Going. <laughs> and as soon as, and then the Bruins let him go, and he went to, I think, the Islanders. Flor- no, uh, I think Florida. He went to Florida. I believe he was on the Islanders too, and he sucked. He he was he, bad. He was not. He was not a good goalie. So with that being said. This was episode two of Something's Brewing podcast. I'd just like to remind everybody we are in partnerships with Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow all of us on Twitter. I've said our Twitter handles in the beginning. I don't think it's that important for me to say it again. But if you want to follow us, go back to the beginning, hear it out. If you actually, if you want to, me and uh, Mel will play NHL sometimes on Twitch. We play. Um, uh, a little bit of e- yep, a little bit of EASHL. Where the uh, a little ode to Jack Edwards. Our team name is the Tumble and Muffins. We're <laughs> don't expect anything crazy from us. We're literally out there just kind of having no, fun. No, no, yeah. you're selling us short. We went on like a nine or ten game win streak, just dominating kids, and then we started a stream like two weeks ago, and we got our our faces pounded in like three straight games and then i went to bed because i was pissed yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> we had a it's a good tonight. stream <laughs> we keep it energetic <laughs> yeah we do keep it energetic come on it come talk to us live we'll answer um we'll talk to you guys and um we've also recently the black and gold productions llc we have gotten a new sponsorship it's Cano wellness um it's a cbd placed uh, it's a cbd plant-based oral spray and um, you'll learn about more. Well, you'll learn more about it next week. Uh, we'll have more details. Not everything's fine tuned yet, but we do have that as well. Hey, this is episode two of Something's Brewing. If you stuck with us this long, you, you, you can feature are, on our next episode. Yeah, you can feature <laughs> yeah, on our ne- next episode. You're part yeah, of the you, show now. Yeah, welcome to the family. Um, but yeah, hopefully oh, you I'm guys enjoyed it. Of, I'm saying they're actually our family members at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but really, we appreciate it. So thank you very much. Obviously, we're we're very new. So everybody who listens, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We'll find a way to incorporate you into the show, whether it's through DMs, maybe through voicemails. 
I'm not going to put my personal phone out here yet, but maybe we'll set up a voicemail line at some point. But yeah, shoot us a DM on Twitter, any any one of us, and um, bless you, Zach. Actually, hey, that's the second pod in a row that you sneezed, so that might <laughs> that's a recurring theme too. But if well, you DM call, Zach, but right. if I'm gonna call it a sneeze, but if you DM Zach, make sure you tell him bless you. Um, but yeah, ask us any questions. We'll feature it on the next podcast. Um, ask us a question about anything. It could be. Uh, an analytical question. It could be some random question, like could be about life. Could be about life. We'll talk about anything. Hey, <laughs> hey, we'll talk about anything. If you've but, if you've been listening, you'll know that we tend to go on tangents. So we throw out any conversation <laughs> possible. Yeah, literally any conversation possible. Just if it has to do with Tuca, just know Zach hates him. So well, hey Tuca, I, you, you I hate the way he plays. I'm disappointed in him. He never showed up when I needed him to. So you're like a deadbeat. He's like a deadbeat dad. He never showed up. He showed up more than a deadbeat dad, but <laughs> he's like, he's like the dad that was always around, but during the big game, he had a business meeting and he just wasn't around. For <laughs> yeah, he, I'm just saying elimination games. He never showed up. Winner take all. Don't count right. on him to fucking be there. He's got a meeting. It's running a little late. Dad's not there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So feel free to shoot us any questions, any, um, you know, whatever. Maybe we'll even have you on the show. Who knows? It's an, We're an open book. So, but with that being said, I'm Mike Sullivan. That's Nick Melanson. And that is Zach Sullivan down below. So we will see you guys next week. And thank you for listening. Bye.